right, everybody, welcome to episode number 118 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, tonight we have to get right to it, because tonight's tale encompasses a lot. From a shipwreck to actual ghost ship sightings many years later of this actual ship, to... In turn, thoughts that this vessel itself could, and still may very well be to this day, haunted as it sits on the bottom of Lake Superior off the coast of Isle Royale in the fine state of Michigan. Now, in addition to that, Chris, as it sits at the bottom of this powerful lake, the ship itself has become a living breathing graveyard and we're going to get into how that's even possible later on in the program but like i said tonight's tale has everything and it is clouded in mystery to this very day tonight chris we are discussing the tragic tale of the ss kamloops which was a steamship freighter that seemingly disappeared into thin air on the fateful night of December 7th, 1927. It seems that nobody knew exactly what happened to the Kamloops. There was no communication. There was no way to even identify the exact whereabouts of where the Kamloops could have gone down. And get this, it stayed that way for five decades. That was until August 21st of 1977. That is when the wreck of the SS Kamloops was found. And believe it or not, things only get (laughs) more bizarre and creepier from there. But before we get into all that, as I say almost every week, Chris, I think it's important that we go backwards in order to go forward. So why don't we put this steamship in reverse and go back to the beginning. More specifically, let's go back to the 1920s. Chris, give us a little history of the SS Kamloops, if you wouldn't mind. Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, The SS Kamloops was a Canadian lake freighter, but it originated... uh, in England, where it was built by the Furnace Shipbuilding Company Limited in Haverton Hill, Stockton on Tees, Durham, England, United K. (laughs) (laughs) One more uh, name there would be great. Uh, Continue, Chris. I'm burning alive here in the BTCRF tonight, so, uh, I mean, we got to move things along here. Oh, we're going to cool you down in the the depths of Superior (laughs) tonight, my friend. No, 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 no. Continue, Chris, please. Uh, But this ship was Canadian bound. After picking up some uh, items of choice, uh, it headed to Montreal. This canaler, as they called it, which would take diversified package freight between Canadian ports, uh, was taking manufactured goods from Montreal up the lakes to uh, Thunder Bay, Ontario, I was looking at the geography of uh, this area, and it's just absolutely amazing how huge these Great Lakes are, man. They're they're big enough to to, 
to cause weather patterns. I mean, they, they, the lake effect snow that a lot of, you know, Western New York and uh, Michigan and, and those states receive is due to the moisture because those lakes are so massive. It's crazy. Well, I was watching some videos on uh, the SS Kamloops and they were showing different uh, cargo ships out there uh, in modern times out on Lake Superior. And once the, the, the weather gets turbulent, those waves, like I said to you before, off air, it looks like you could be in the middle of the North Atlantic. It's, it's wild. It looks nothing like a lake. I went onto a lake that was nowhere near the size of these. It was, it was actually a really big lake in, in Texas called Lake Travis. And we went out on a boat there, and I just remember thinking, I was like, this is the biggest body of water outside of an ocean that I've ever been in. And it it, it almost felt like it was an ocean. Like, I felt kind of weird being in the water because we were tubing or whatever. And, like, you get that, like, weird vibe, like, something swimming in there that, you, you know, you don't want to be in there with. I, I do not like being in any body of water that I cannot see the bottom of, dude. I mean, I'm even uncomfortable in a pool, never mind being in the ocean. Well, on the topic of uh, of waves in, in those lakes, and I found out that there is waves that were recorded reaching 28.8 feet in Lake Superior. Jesus, man, this is incredible. First off, you, you, know, you don't really think about a ship, especially a cargo ship being out on a lake. But to hear these, these stories, man, because there are tons of shipwrecks throughout the Great Lakes. So, I mean, it, it's crazy to think about just how intense and dangerous that weather can be out there on the lakes. Yeah, and you can also imagine that in that time, if you wanted to transport goods and stuff, I mean, that body of water was was probably, or those bodies of water were, were very popular ways of doing it. And be, because uh, this ship, even as big as it was, it, it was about 250 feet long. And then that was considered to be actually a small ship in those days on uh, Lake Superior or any of the lakes. So you can imagine, obviously, that being pretty damn big, but it it actually be, to be considered small. That's what she said. <laughs> Chris, like you were saying with these lake freighters, they're, they're basically huge cargo ships, and they're used for carrying limestone, coal, salt, grain, things of that nature. But uh, let me ask you this, little pal. What is it exactly that the SS Kamloops was carrying on that fateful December day, oh, 1927. Well, uh, as Kamloops was dispatched in late November 1927, they were carrying a mixed cargo of tar paper, papermaking machinery, coiled wire for uh, the purposes of farm fencing, piping, shoes, and other foodstuffs, uh, including uh, some Lifesavers candies, which we will uh, talk about uh, that candy a little bit later. Yes, indeed we will, because, you know, it, it's funny, when I was reading what uh, the ship was actually carrying, when I glanced over the article quickly, I thought it said Life Preservers. But no, Gris, uh, as I went back and reread it, it was indeed boxes upon boxes of those tasty little breath mints, Lifesavers. <laughs> I do love a good lifesaver. Yes, indeed. But uh, uh, unfortunately, none of these items would make it to their intended destinations, would they? Am I right, Little Mint Candy Boy? Yummy! <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, Chris, am I right? <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. 
Actually, one of the circumstances that brings down the Kamloops, the SS Kamloops that is, is due to the fact of the time of the year that they are transporting these goods. I'm going to make a quick mention here because it is said that shipping items on the Great Lakes, they basically attempted to do as many as possible before winter hit due to the fact that obviously ice would set in and it would be impassable. So they are pushing their luck at this point because now we're heading into December 1st of 1927. So you can imagine at this point now that uh, the cold, chilly nights are approaching, given the current latitude, uh, it's not, it would not be unheard of anyway for snowfall to occur at any point in time. So they, uh, they make a call into the Courtright, Ontario, because they are looking to top off their cargo with some bagged salt. Perhaps this salt was uh, in case of ice or something that might occur on deck while the travel occurred. Who knows? I'm not really sure what the salt would have been used for. But then she steams on towards Lake Huron. They pass through the Salt St. Marie Canal on December 4th, and then they are faced with Lake Superior. And uh, it's at this point now where... I'm sure unbeknownst to them, they run into a massive storm, which begins to hit the lake December 5th. So you can have gale force winds and, and rogue waves out there, right? I don't know how far out into open water they are, but if you're getting strong enough winds with, with a body of water that big, and like I had mentioned before, they, they've seen waves upwards of 30 feet. Of course, an ocean waves could get much bigger, but 30 feet is pretty massive, enough to probably give you a good rock, even a ship that size. But more importantly, is what would happen if you were to get freezing rain. Because I don't know if you're familiar with watching any of the uh, Deadliest Catch shows, but you know, when they're in the Bering Straits, obviously dealing with extremely cold temperatures at times, when they get ice storms, one of the major concerns is basically all the equipment and gear and the exposed areas of the, the ship getting weighed down by the, the weight of the ice. So they have to actually chip it off so that it doesn't become too heavy. Dude, that's terrifying. That show, like, like I literally get Ajita when I, when I watch it, when those waves are coming in and, <laughs> you know, the bad weather. I mean, because those waves look literally impossible to survive. And in, and in those waters, it's, it's not like in other situations where if the thing were to capsize and you make it into the water, you know, you might be able to survive. The water there is so cold that oh, you're, you're, you're as good as dead in minutes. I mean, you, you're going to be wearing your balls as a bow tie just being out on a deck. <laughs> Never mind getting and, in the ocean. Yeah, and at that point, if you don't have your uh, your life jacket, which is specifically made to withstand cold temperatures, and I don't even think it can withstand them for long, it's only going to give you a certain amount of time. It's basically only there to buy you time. you got to get back on that vessel within seconds. I mean, I don't even think you have minutes. Yeah. So we're imagining here, obviously, in December that it's probably pretty damn cold in the lake. So I would imagine hypothermia would be a concern immediately. So if you go in the water, you're you're done for. So Kamloops is now headed into Lake Superior. A big storm approaches and Kamloops suddenly becomes heavily coated with ice. And this is the point here where it was headed towards south, the southeastern shore of Isle Royale at dusk on the following day, this is the last time that all 22 men and women aboard the ship were ever seen alive again. Yeah, like I said in the beginning of the show, 
it pretty much seemed as if the SS Kamloops vanished into thin air. I said, Chris? <laughs> oh, right you be. And then you can imagine back in the 1920s, their version of a search party was probably not uh, quite as thorough as we have today, and especially given the cold temperatures. I doubt anyone's taking a dive in Lake Superior to go looking for people. Well, I, I would say the one benefit that you would have uh, of being in a, a lake, you know, a freshwater lake, would be the lack of sharks for the most part. <laughs> However, I mean, I, I'm looking at the, the, the native species of Lake Superior, and they include banded killfish, lake trout, lake whitefish, none of which sound very intimidating. Um, and they actually have one that goes by your nickname, Chris, of long nose sucker. Uh, and in addition to that, they have the northern pike. But here's the big one, Chris. They have <laughs> lake sturgeon. And uh, I don't know if you, that, that, that video that I sent you today of uh, that sturgeon pulling up uh, alongside that boat, man, that thing was a monster. I think they get over 20 feet or something, don't they? Yeah, dude. Like I, I, get, uh, I, like I said, I'm, I'm getting uh, the BTCRF uh, remodeled here, and there's a, whole, um, there's a whole renovation going on here at the, the house here. And uh, my friend, Brandon, who's doing the job, he goes out <laughs> on uh, nothing more than a kayak out on the Hudson River. So, and uh, like, like, he's crazy. He'll go out early in the morning. Like, you know, I don't know, it's like four or five, watch the sunrise or some shit. And I said to him, today, I was like, can you hear stuff splashing around? You know, when it's like still early in the morning, you can't really see. He goes, yeah, he hears stuff all the time. How do you not panic? And he tells me I'm crazy because I, I, I'm uptight about this stuff. But could you imagine being out there on, on a small little kayak in his body of water and a, a, a goddamn sturgeon comes swimming by you? I, I don't care if it's peaceful. Get away from me. Dude, you have to be absolutely nuts. And actually, <laughs> I was down in Florida and this house, I guess, was right on this little canal that feeds into the, uh, the Gulf of Mexico. And out there in this little canal, too dangerous, are kayakers that are fishing for bull shark. I mean, just even the fish on a kayak. I mean, it's it's wobbly enough just trying to use the goddamn oar. Never mind trying to pull in a shark. Dude, at night too. It was at night. So now I'm, I was fishing there. Well, I love fishing, but I was fishing off the shore, and you can hear these massive splashes. Because you, you can't see it, but you hear these massive splashes like something big just surfaced. Nah, man. I, I don't get how these people do this, man. It, it, it takes a certain kind of mindset that I, I just don't have. I mean, maybe I'm a pessimist, and Chris, and I'm always looking for the worst-case scenario to uh, come to fruition. But nonetheless, I mean, I, I'm just not doing it. Well, pessimists live, my friend. They live. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with that said, I'm supposed to be taking off on the Hudson in a kayak with Brendan in, in a few weeks, I guess. So, oh, uh, this may be one of the last episodes of uh, BTC, and how fitting would that be? You know what's even crazier? The psychos that do the uh, the paddle boards out there. Oh, God, dude. That, that's, that shit's wild. Because I, I'm seeing more and more, and I, I mean, I'm sure it's just due to the, the prevalency of uh, social media now, but I'm seeing more and more interactions between humans and sharks than I've ever seen before. And sharks, I sent you another video today of, of a shark just kind of waiting by uh, the boat. like So they're kind of just hanging around. And now you got those cases in Europe of these orcas <laughs> attacking boats. 
and, and trying to sink them. And no, dude, the orcas are sociopaths, man. They kill for fun. <laughs> they're they're extremely smart, and uh, yeah, they like to play with their food before they kill it. I mean, imagine that getting tossed around like a fucking rag doll right before they drown you and then start ripping you to shreds. Yeah, they, they, yeah they, they, they will throw you, rip an arm off so you don't fucking die immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Play a game of volleyball with you and then, and then, then have you for lunch. <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, don't go in the water, ever. Yes, but uh, unfortunately, the, the, the crew members of the SS Kamloops learned that the hard way. However, Chris, however, when this ship went down, some... 250 to 270 feet on the bottom of the lake floor, mind you. Some members of the Kamloops were able to survive for a little bit of time afterwards. And you may ask, how is that possible? Because rescue crews found no survivors. However, Chris, a year later in 1928, something very interesting happened. Someone found... A message in a bottle, didn't they? One day on uh, December 1928, a trapper who was at the mouth of the Agawa River finds a bottle. And uh, it was a message in a bottle. And it was written from somebody named Alice Betridge. And uh, Alice Betridge actually happened to be a young assistant stewardess. She actually initially survived the sinking of the Kamloops. But before she actually perishes, this note that she wrote says, and I quote, I am the last one left alive, freezing and starving to death on Isle Royale in Lake Superior. I just want mom and dad to know my fate. Imagine that. You survive a shipwreck. You're one of the only few to survive. You somehow swim to an island nearby in freezing cold temps. You manage to survive on this island only to starve and freeze to death. And get this, Chris, there were actually reports that some of the other survivors, because remember, Alice says that she was the last survivor, but we find out that there were some other crew members that made it to Isle Royale with her. But... It's speculated that some of those crew members were attacked and eaten by wolves. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, can you, can you think of a worst case scenario? I mean, just after you survive a catastrophic shipwreck only to be eaten by a fucking wolf. Oh my God, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. But at least, you know, that message that you put in that bottle... It made its way to someone. Someone found the message in a bottle. What are the chances of that? Yeah, and this happened, geez, uh, I think a full year later. Yeah, so, I mean, at least, hopefully, Alice's parents were able to get a little bit of uh, closure or the knowledge of the uh, fate that had befallen her. But, Chris, after that message was found in 1928... That's about all we had to go on for roughly 50 years because divers and recovery crews were searching far and wide for the Kamloops out on Lake Superior, but came across nothing at all. So the investigation as to what happened, or at least locate the final resting place of uh, the SS Kamloops for quite some time. And by quite some time, 
I mean roughly 50 years, Chris. Because what do we find out on August 21st of 1977? Well, our ghost ship at the time, as you had mentioned, had been sunk in a uh, 50 years prior. Yes, and you, I'm sorry, Chris, to interrupt, but you just reminded me of something because... I said in the opening also that there were some ghost ship sightings of the SS Kamloops. When people were out there on Lake Superior on a cloudy night, they reported seeing the Kamloops throughout the years. Now, obviously, I highly doubt that that was really the case, but uh, nonetheless, that was what was reported, and uh, that's how the legend of the SS Kamloops grew, because, I mean... People were claiming that they saw it floating on Lake Superior all those years after it had sunk. Lifesavers for all. Oh, no, come on, man. <laughs> but in all seriousness, a group of sport divers, actually who were carrying out a search for the ship, end up discovering the ship almost exactly 50 years later. They do find the sh- that the ship is at the bottom of the lake at about a depth of 260 feet, as you mentioned before, where it was lying on its starboard side at the base of an underwater cliff. Lying uh, close by is the uh, smokestack. Some of the cargo, also debris uh, around the, the wreckage were strewn about. Yeah, and I actually watched a video, and I sent it to you, too, uh, of um, the diver who went out on Lake Superior to investigate the wreckage, and I think it was sometime in 2021. So he goes down there, and this guy's crazy himself. I guess there's no sharks down there, so you, you, you feel maybe a little bit easier. But he went down there with a fellow diver, and uh, they examined the remaining wreckage, which was, I might add, in very decent shape due to the cold temperatures. It had been preserved for all these years, nearly a century of being uh, underwater, and it was still very identifiable due to, obviously, the lettering on the side of the ship. In addition to that, as you said, the cargo that they were carrying was still aboard the ship, and in addition to that, you see shoes and clothing and chairs and whatnot, and you actually see, and I I thought this was very odd, man, you actually see the boxes of lifesavers and the wrappers still are in perfect condition. It looks like you can unpack this thing and just put it on a store shelf. Yeah, and as you mentioned, because the temperatures were so cold that they imagined that this kept a lot of the stuff intact. I think I actually was just reading that the the bottom of Lake Superior on average is about 39 degrees. So a little bit above freezing. Right, so which also makes it a, a difficult place only for experienced divers to go down to, not only because of the depth, but because of that temperature. I mean, you have to really, uh, you have to know what you're, you have to wear and all that shit. Even in the lake, you have to be concerned about getting the bends, right? Like, I mean, getting depressurized yeah. as you're coming back up to the surface. Right, that's, that's another reason why they only will allow people uh, who, are high, who are very experienced to go out there. Yeah, you're right. And uh, when he was down there examining the the shipwreck, I I mean, I was surprised at at just what great shape it was in to this day, man. And it's a very ominous feeling because it's very quiet as he's going through there. I mean, obviously he's underwater, but, uh, you know, you're you're seeing the belongings of these crew members. That just really brings the, the reality of the situation that, you know, these were human beings that, 
perished on this ship. And when you see their clothes and some of their other belongings, it, it just really adds to the eeriness of what he has stumbled upon. And uh, this guy even goes into the <laughs> the engine room, dude. So he's not only just swimming around a shipwreck, he's starting to go in and out of it. Now, there's something, uh, and I said this in the, at the beginning of the program too, that people tend to believe that the SS Kamloops, as it sits on the lake floor, has indeed become a living, breathing graveyard. And that couldn't be more true. Because, Chris, in that engine room, and in the, this diver did not find it, it was found years earlier by someone else, but in that engine room lurked something, didn't it? Yeah, now that you mention it, there was something trapped beneath the stairs. Trapped and preserved, I might add. And... Little buddy! What was it? <laughs> what was discovered was that of the corpse of one of the crew members that were aboard the SS Kamloops. And their body uh, is eerily intact, and there is actual footage that is on this video where it basically scans by and you see the stairs, you see what looks like a pair of legs that are sticking out from the stairs, and this would be uh, the remains of one of the crew members that they are now referring to, or have been referring to, as uh, Grandpa or Old Whitey. Well, I don't think we need to bring a race into this, Chris. But, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. And I saw the picture, and it's very unnerving. And I believe you're not supposed to be taking pictures uh, of these corpses that have their final resting place in these ships that are at the bottom of these bodies of water just due to, um, you know, just ethics and whatnot. But uh, also, you, you might be playing with fire because, you know, some say that you may be bringing about some bad luck uh, upon yourself or you might be uh, awakening some kind of dormant being. Right, Chris? Because there are, <laughs> there are reports that old grandpa here is seen in different locations of the boat as various divers go down there. And you can imagine that would be indeed be the case due to the currents of the water or whatnot. His body is indeed trapped within this ship, but it is said to move about in different locations. And in addition to that, some divers feel that his corpse actually sometimes follows them around the shipwreck, and they feel as if he's indeed looking at them. Well, uh, brother, I just, uh, I think we just found something that's scarier than a shark. <laughs> yes. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, this guy must be, because, like, you know, we're looking at this picture, and all you see is uh, a pair of pants and, and two legs sticking out from uh, around the corner here. But, I mean, if he's as well-preserved as they're saying, would his eyes still be intact inside his head? I don't know. 
and I don't want to know. <laughs> but I mean, just imagine that, like, you know, diving in, in the depths is scary enough. And, you know, you turn around each corner, you don't know what the hell's there. But God, you, you know, you go around this bend and you got a, a, a corpse floating right at you. I actually had mentioned to Bill, too, uh, depending on how you're looking at this, there is right dead middle of the frame what appears to be, and this is what I thought, I thought that maybe that the camera was taking a view inside of a room, like uh, perhaps like one of the walls of, of one of the rooms rusted or broke open, and that you were getting a peek in through this crevice, and what I thought I was looking at was the face, which almost looks skeleton and look with one eye peeking out towards you this is what i had initially saw when i was looking at uh what they're referring to as old whitey but what you're actually seeing is the side of one of his legs but i would love to know if anyone else sees what i'm seeing here because when i looked at this thing i thought this goddamn thing was looking directly right back at me <laughs> Well, I didn't see that initially until you sent me uh, the picture when you, you circled it. And then I immediately picked up on what, what what you thought was the face. And when I'm looking at it, you ever see the um, the Crypt Keeper from the, the, the TV show Creep Show? Yes. Yes, that's kind of like the, the image that I saw there, which would kind of make sense if the body was indeed... You know, down there for over 100 years, I mean, regardless if it was well-preserved due to the colder temps, it, it, there is going to be some level of decomposition. So, I mean, it makes sense that it, that could have been. I mean, now you got me thinking, Chris, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But but uh, I will say that some of the divers say, you know, what's even more crazy about this and the fact that they feel it's haunted is that you're not dealing with a ghost. I mean, you, you might be. But you're actually dealing with a physical, <laughs> once living human being. You're dealing with a physical corpse in front of you. And they're saying that this thing is looking at them and following them around. So, I mean, it doesn't get any creepier than that. Let me put an image in your head. You're diving down here alone. It's damn near pitch black because the light can't really penetrate down that far. You're looking around. You come by. You see this body. You keep looking around. You go to go back and the body's gone. What would you do? Well, I, I, I would ha never mind getting depressurized or whatever I have to do. I, I would go, <laughs> I, I would start my ascent up to the shore and whatever happened, happened. I'm not sticking around <laughs> to find out. I mean, the thought of something being there that's not supposed to be alive and then all of a sudden it's gone would absolutely. I would, I would turn into dust uh, I mean, underwater. Th th this is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> Nonetheless, that body is down there, and this is, uh, this is not a uh, old wives' tale of sorts. There actually is bodies trapped down in the depths, and this is one that has been spotted during uh, all of the dives, I believe. Yeah, because he looks like he, he's kind of like trapped within like the, this caged area. The, the divers said that they don't really feel overly threatened by it it seems that they think that uh, old grandpa here is somewhat lonely and just looking for um some company down there but uh you know you better hope old gramps doesn't leech on to you because you may be coming permanent company yourself fuck 
So, I mean, there you have it. The, the, the body of, of Gramps is still down there. And like I said, due to the colder temperatures and the lack of predators, the body has remained uh, somewhat well-preserved throughout uh, nearly 100 years. <laughs> but, I mean, who knows how long that's going to be the case? Because who knows what the hell is really existing at the bottom of Lake Superior, Chris? <laughs> I don't know, and I'm not going to find out. Yes, not at all, man. But, uh, but I mean, that's it. That is the tale of the SS Kamloops. This case had everything from a shipwreck to uh, ghost ship sightings to a possible haunted vessel to even a message in a bottle revealing some information to, uh, you know, the carnage that wolves can cause, Chris. (laughs) It even had a dead body tormenting some of the poor divers that want to uh, explore the wreckage. And rightfully so, in in my viewpoint. Uh, Leave leave Grandpa alone. (laughs) But um, I don't know, Chris, I, there is just something about being out on the open ocean that I do not like. And the only way I'll feel comfortable out there is on a massive cruise ship. And that's about it. And uh, those don't have the exactly the best track record these days either. No, they don't, man. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> there's trouble all around. I mean, I, I really think, you know, if, if you turn on uh, mainstream media for <laughs> even a minute or two, you're going to get the vibe that the entire world is ending. So, I mean, I try to I try to avoid that at all costs. I'll just stay in my backyard here. Oh, and indeed it is, though. Yes. It's ending. But, uh, Chris, man, that's it. That is the case of the SS Kamloops. So, before I actually decompose here in the BTCRF due to these extremely hot temperatures, let me give the rundown and we can get the hell out of here for the night. You want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram, Between the Cracks Podcast. If you would like to become one of our lovely Patreons, please feel free to click on the link in the show notes. We would greatly appreciate it. So, without any further ado, what do you say we wish to find, fine people out in podcast land the fondest? Oh, a fair.